whenever my world falls apart I never lose hope or lose heart Whatever the form of the storm that may brew Not with you to lean on, darlings, you Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn, playwright, filmmaker, and professor of communications at American University. Each episode, we invite someone from the theater you'd see on stage, backstage, or in the house to discuss an original cast album they love. And today, we are joined by actor of both body and voice and... Writer, right? I can call you a writer. Uh, sure. Why Adapter. Not? Yeah. Adapter. Yeah. Eric. Adapt. It's I'm, Eric Messner, everybody. Constantly. Hi. It's Eric Messner. <laughs> very happy to be here. Right. Silver Springs, Eric Messner. <laughs> TV's Eric. TV's Messner. Eric. In, in that you own a TV. I right? own, you I own, own a TV. TV's. Oh. know. <laughs> 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 Big spender. I know. Right. I won the lottery once. <laughs> Blew it all instantly <laughs> on a second on television. <laughs> honey, but it's a nice TV. Honey, I he's mean. teasing you. Nobody has two television sets. <laughs> <laughs> and you picked. Tell the folks what you picked. I picked the Who's Tommy. He ain't got no distractions. Can't hear those buttons and bells. Can't see those lights flashing. Plays bastards to smell. Always gets a replay and never tilts at all. That death double blind pin. The Who's Tommy. Now, that, that that's an interesting place to start as I open my phone. I'm not being rude because I want to pull up here. So the first question I'm going to ask you, what is the title of this show? <laughs> the title of this show? What is the title of this show? I think it's Tommy. Like, it was always Tommy, but then the Who was in, like, smaller letters, wasn't it? Right. Well, so it's or the Who. Like, yeah, like so you this have, on your book. Right. So I brought in the book that I have, the Who's Tommy book and the CD, which I'll be sure to take a picture of you holding. Um, <laughs> and yes, it is called The Who's Tommy. Uh, and at the Tony Awards, it, it, it was The Who's Tommy. That was that was the, the name of the show. And that's yeah. what, however, the album, the Who's album that it's based on is called Tommy. Yeah. So I always call the show Tommy. Tommy. But for this show... For this recording, I wanted to get this right. I wanted to know exactly what... Actually, if I go to my at mentions, this will be faster. So okay. I went right to the source because we have we have the internet and we have the Twitter. It's all around us. And mm-hmm. uh, I uh, tweeted Michael Cerverus, who oh, wow. played Tommy yeah, yeah, yeah. in the original and is on Twitter. He's big on Twitter, at Cerverus. And I have tweeted with him before because when I went to see him in Fun Home, I tweeted at him that I very much enjoyed... His performance, I liked it too. Uh, seeing him play Bruce Bechtel, I said, was like seeing Len Carew play Sweeney Todd, and I think that's true. And um, he took that as the compliment it was intended, and then I said something else, which you should never say. And then it got embarrassing. But he was very sweet. Okay. And anyway, so I knew he would tweet back if I tweeted him because he's that kind of guy. And sure. I tweeted him, I'm interviewing someone next week and need your help settling something. Is the show called Tommy or The Who's Tommy? Uh-huh. He wrote back, technically, it's the latter. To which, so, which seems to me not stating a preference. Right. So then I tweeted, but you prefer the former? <laughs> and he wrote back, nope, that's just what it's called by the people who wrote it. Huh. So we're no closer to knowing. No, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> and if, if he doesn't know, I, I just I think, think that we don't know. Yeah, so we're just going to call it, I think, for the sake of... Because we'll probably talk about the album 
at some point. It'll sure. just come up. So we're going to call the album Tommy. Okay. The show, The Who's Tommy. Great. And we'll call other things what they're called. Yeah. Yeah. As I we... mean, it's almost like it's just calling anything like a, just a name like that is, is too common. <laughs> like calling it Tommy. Tommy. You know, like like other things that are like, you know, they have like common names. Right. You know, like Tony Awards <laughs> and Oscars. Right. Like <laughs> It's just Tommy. Yeah. Tommy. So the show's called Tommy. Yeah. yeah. So when um, when did this show first? Uh, you said before we started that you had the cassette. I, <laughs> two cassettes or one cassette? First well, question. Thanks, thanks for outing me as old. Oh, well, you're not as it old was, as I am. So. It was during that uh, that time period, you know, that quaint time period where CDs were becoming popular right. and, you know, tapes were on their way out. Sure. And um, the 90s. Let's, the 90s, let's the early that. days. The show came out in 93. 93, yeah. yeah. I think I bought it, like, because I started doing theater in, like, 94. and Well, 95 was when I really started studying it and doing a little bit more and... It was just one of those shows that came up that I, you know, like I bought like that in Les Mis, you know, because I was meeting people and I was starting to get more and more into this. And I was like, oh, the who? Mm -hmm. Okay. I could, you know, and it was like four years before I had ever actually seen a production of it. Okay. Like I've never actually seen a professional oh, really? production of Where did you this. see the production that you've seen? I <laughs> saw this in a high school. Wow. A high school did it in wow. Pencil- Pennsylvania, conservative central Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. And I think they they either edited or they, they did something. They seriously I mean, truncated question, or censored the Acid Queen bit. Okay, and my second question would be, what do they do with the child molestation scene? Uh, <laughs> I think they just... I, they really downplayed that. Like, I can remember it, like, in bits and pieces. Not entirely well, but uh, I think with the... <laughs> the molestation, they either <laughs> skipped it completely or they just really played up the cousin Kevin like taunting him and you know yeah. doing stuff like that. Right. So yeah, but they were definitely ways they were skirting some things and I was like, there's no way that this is exact this can't be it. Right. You know, exactly. but like, okay. You know, you want So um, did you know the Who album before you listened to I the knew show? The, the Who you... album and I knew like the that there was like a filmed version of mm-hmm. it. I think Clapton was in it. Yeah. Tina Turner. Yeah. She's Tina the Turner? acid queen. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Clapton plays, he sings I Sight to the Blind. Elton John's the pinball wizard. Right. Um, Daltrey plays Tommy. Yeah. Uh, and the Who are kind of in it in various, it's a Ken Russell film, which if you know the work of Ken Russell, um, <laughs> that, that says it all. Um, <laughs> and uh, Anne Margaret plays Tommy's mother. Um, oh and I can never remember, the actor who played the. Because it's well, we'll get into this a little bit later. It's different. It's Oliver Reed plays the character of the step. It's the stepfather in the film, in the in the um, in the cons, in the album and in the show. It's his father. Uh, but Oliver Reed is more famous for playing Gladiator, right? He's in Gladiator. I, I was oh, because he died halfway through filming Gladiator. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, he plays uh, Bill Sykes in Oliver. That's what I was going to say. Oh, okay. He's very in that film version. Right. That. So, so hard, hard-looking man. Very yes. hard, angry British man. <laughs> yes. um, Oliver Reed. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> it's a different kind of movie. It's a, it's sure. a very yeah. It's a funny little show because uh, he said um, <laughs> because the album is sixty-nine and very 
late 60s. Yeah. The movie 73 and very early mid 70s. Well, there, yeah. And then the show is early 90s and in my opinion very <laughs> that like bright color yeah yeah like yeah. still kind of the 80s gr- not grunge like you know post Kurt Cobain pre-rent Exactly. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. That kind of in-between phase. Before grunge became something everybody was totally down with. Right. But after it was a thing that, like, people knew about. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I remember in, like, late either late 92 or 93, I remember watching MTV because then yes. you could still sit Absolutely. through MTV. Absolutely. It wasn't all reality all the time shows. I watched MTV. Because back in the day. Yeah, back <laughs> in the Let me tell you about MTV, kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We're but, a hallmark of nostalgia. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, like, I remember Pete Townsend and I think it was uh, Des... Des McAniff. McAniff. Yeah. Uh, they, they were on and they were talking about the show and in the background, like, rehearsing mm-hmm. and they were, like, on all the pinball uh, machines that would, like, they were on, like, wheels and they were, like, yes, spinning them. They were spin, standing yeah. on them and singing. And I was oh, like, yeah. that looks amazing. They did like, do there, – there's pictures in that book of the press junket, like, during rehearsals. Oh. And it's – which is something that some Broadway shows still they, – they always do. There's always a yeah. day where they're still in the rehearsal room that a Broadway show will open to the press and the people come in and take a couple pictures sure. and whatever. And they usually will stage, like, two or three numbers for everybody mm-hmm. and then people just leave. But if you look in there – and I'll, I'll put it on the website. there, There's a picture of the press – Junket while they're singing, I think Sensation. Okay. So Michael Servers is on top of the pinball machine, and there are that's what I saw. I remember forty that. or fifty reporters there. I mean, oh, wow. it's a huge, yeah, huge scene, and it's yeah. This this was one of the most anticipated Broadway shows in a yeah. really long time. I saw the show. In the mid-90s on the road. It was a touring production oh, okay. I saw in Philadelphia on the road. And it was, I mean, it's a spectacle. Yeah. And that was a spectacle. And from what I understand, the Broadway version was even more of a spectacle <sighs> with, like, Tommy makes his entrance, I think, in the Broadway during Amazing Journey on a on a flying, you know, flying like Peter Pan, but he's spinning like somersaults. He's like, because there's that oh. buzz sound effect yeah, yeah, yeah. in the beginning of that song. He's uh-huh. like spinning onto the stage through that sound effect. As I understand it, <laughs> I didn't see it. Um, I saw it in Philadelphia. They didn't do, like on the road, they don't do that. No, they, no, no, they, no. they do they it much. They just don't much, have ropes so, no, they don't, on the road. They don't on the road. They never have ropes <laughs> on the road. But, so some facts and figures for, for those following along at home. It opened at La Jolla in San Diego uh, July of 1992, actually. Oh, so you're okay. right. So it could have been 92. Yeah. It then debuted at the St. James Theater on Broadway with most of the same cast, though all the cast members famously had to re-audition for the Broadway company. And Michael Severus has a great story he tells on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, which you can find on YouTube, Mm -hmm. uh, detailing his audition experience. It's hilarious. (laughs) Um, And uh, they ran for 27 previews through April 10th, which is a lot of previews. That's a lot, yeah. And then closed for 12 days and then opened officially on April 22nd. So unlike most Broadway shows that have like preview, like I would say, what do you think, fifteen previews, like two and weeks like of previews, a week, two two weeks, sixteen I mean, previews. Here it's a week standard, but then, yeah, like you know, Broadway. depending on the show. And this show obviously has a lot of technical yeah. wizardry and sure, tricks sure, to it, sure. so I get that. I mean, it's no Spider Man, right? That's which, oh god, thank was God. in previews indefinitely. For, yeah, it still is actually, even <laughs> after it closed. Somewhere, 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 Spider Man turned off the darkest in previews. <laughs> <laughs> That's a law of the universe. So that, but that closing for. 12 days, I mean, almost two weeks. It's really weird. And then yep. opening officially on April 22nd, 1993. It then closed June 7, uh, 17th, 1995 after running 899 performances. See if they'd opened one day earlier. 
Could have hit that 900. Directed that sweet, sweet, sweet 900. 900. Make that 900. Money. Everybody gets a bonus. Well, then you're in syndication. And a, and a baked ham. <laughs> Pre-baked. So eat that sucker fast. The old Broadway baked, baked ham, ham you've oh, heard so much about. They love it so well. They don't eat very much, those actors. <laughs> um, it was directed by either Des McAnuff or McAnuff. I don't know how to pronounce that. Yeah. Uh, with And he wrote the book with Pete Townsend. Right. Uh, choreography by Wayne Kilento, I can never pronounce his name. He was uh, in the original cast of Chorus Line, interestingly. Oh, right, he sings, right. um, I Can Do That. That's what it's called. Oh, I, I didn't have to start yeah. singing it to get the title. Wayne Kilento. Wayne Kilento. And Michael Severus, as we said, was in the cast. Uh, yeah. Marsha Mitzman, Jonathan Dukitz played Captain Walker. Cheryl Freeman played the Acid Queen. And mm-hmm. Paul Candle uh, played Uncle Ernie. In the ensemble, Yes. Alice R- future Tony winners Alice Ripley and Christian Hoff. Uh, future Tony nominee, right. Sherry Renee Scott and Norm Lewis. Right. <laughs> and uh, also involved in the production, uh, future Tony winning composer, uh, Janine Tesori, who just won a Tony Award for Fun Home. And she also wrote Thriller oh. Modern Millie, Carolina Chain, Shrek the Musical, and Violet. Uh, she's, she was a Shrek the ever. Musical. Shrek the Musical, yeah. Um, so it was it was a big show. Yeah. Uh, and, and a big, and I remember it, you say that it being on MTV. I remember that. Oh, yeah, I remember do. them okay. cutting in with just like MTV News. I remember Kurt Loder like every now and again and being like, Tommy yeah. is in production. Right. Too. They're making a really big deal out of it. And yeah. yeah, it is a pretty cool. It's a weird thing. <laughs> it, it is a weird thing. But, you know, in a for like for me, for a kid growing up in rural Pennsylvania where arts opportunities were limited, mm-hmm. like just hearing about that made me interested in it. You know, just even though it was like such a you know, signal boosting MTV, right. you know, kind of thing for a musical that I really had no chance of getting to see anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you just bought this purely on name recognition. You just thought... It was it was purely name recognition. It was it was also the fact that, like, I knew a little bit about The Who. Right. Um, you know, because it came in the mail with, you know, like, it was issued. Oh, you're just saying. In that, in that area. In that, oh, it was? It was standard operating procedure? Like a, I, so where I, in Pennsylvania were you? Central Pennsylvania, like a little bit north of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Okay, just, all right. So, yeah. so you're outside of my radio signals that I grew up with. Um, oh, yeah. But were you getting – so you're getting Harrisburg radio? Is that yeah, pretty much the nearest? Yeah, generally, yeah. Some little New York, like upstate New York stuff? Yeah, I think if you went further bit. north from my area, like – and sometimes on AM at night, mm-hmm. you could get New York. Mm, there you go. Wasn't that amazing? Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> radio signals got better at night. They did, kids. It, they used to because it was traveling <laughs> through the air. And since there's no sun heating the molecules, the sound travels better at night. Science. Science. Thank you. I just got finished teaching about frame rate, so my brain is, is ready for science. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, so you were – so it sounds like you were isolated or at least felt isolated, whether you were yeah. or not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so – but it was – so it was a, you know, hard rock and classic rock type town. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I started getting into – like, I, I like classic rock, but, like, once I started getting a little, like, out of high school, like, particularly in high school, people were listening to, like, heavy metal. Right. Things like that. and Big in that part of the country. Yeah. And I wasn't really into that. But then I started getting into punk music. Okay. And, which like, has riding more... skateboard and things like that. And The know? Who fits nicely into the that. The Who kind of transitions yeah. that. Like, mm-hmm. they, they, they're sort of in both camps, I I've guess. I've seen Son of argue. Sam. Uh, I know uh, that yeah. the, uh, punk yeah. people like The Who. I know, right? Right. right. Yeah, yeah. Summer of Sam. That's what it's called. Summer of Sam. The Spike Summer Lee movie. Summer of Sam. Yeah. yeah. Right. What's Summer? 
Well, Son, Son of Sam's, Sam's the, guy. the guy. Yeah, Son yeah. of Sam's the guy. The movie is Summer of Sam. <laughs> and the musical is Summer of Sam. Uh, <laughs> exclamation. exclamation point. Yes, there you Jim. go. You got it. Exclamation. <laughs> Fiorello. Um, that's a real one. Uh, I once saw a poster for a production of Bye Bye Birdie that had three exclamation points. Bye. Bye. Birdie. That's too many. The more exclamation points that you put in a show, the the it lowers the quality of the writing to me, even like retroactively by like a third. I I, I would yeah. agree. So yeah. by that point, that version of Bye Bye Birdie was nothing. It was sort of it was a, it was a purely <laughs> theoretical production. Uh, <laughs> so you bought it was a Tommy completely deconstructed <laughs> Bye Bye Birdie. That's true. It fell apart. It returned, it returned to its original form, which is an earworm. I think. Uh, so you bought top. So but. It was more knowing who the who was, knowing Tommy. I mean, I'm sure you knew Pinball Wizard as a song. I, I, yes. And yeah. maybe you knew, like, Sensation and things like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe not by name, but you'd probably heard right, it. Right, right, right. Yeah. It, um, and so it was – So, it, it, but it wasn't like you grew up listening to the who version of Tommy in your house or anything. Like no, that. That no, no, kind of, no. Yeah, okay. No, but I did, like – I had – once I started getting into theater, like, the people that I was working with mm-hmm. regularly, like, were very into, like, the who and, you mm-hmm. know, like, classic rock. Because they were, you know, like – seven eight years older than me okay um and so that was kind of not quite their music but much more their music than your music yeah Yeah. when you um so when you got tommy the who's Tommy. excuse me when you got the who's tommy Mm -hmm. um did it this is something you how did you listen to music at that point were you listening to just like would you have a walkman and you were just listening to this over and over again or were you only listening in the car I was listening in the car and singing along as well as I could. Now, are you driving or someone oh, yeah. else driving? Okay, so yeah. this is your car that yeah. you're – okay. I had – because um, uh, just the way central Pennsylvania is laid out, um, I had to drive like 30 miles. Oh, yeah, to, to go to school? College. Oh, to know? college. Oh, okay. Well, and then when I was getting out of it, like I was – I drove like – 38 miles because I was working in Harrisburg proper with okay. a theater company. And I was, you know, like, yeah. you'd be driving for an hour every morning. Oh, I've been out morning. there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been out there. Yeah. I know. But yeah. um whole lot of nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of farm. And then mm-hmm. eventually you hit the city. And, right. You know. But, um, yeah. And I would just listen to that, like, every day. And then, you know. Okay. Tape would so, flip. but it was always. And he, oh, there you go. Flip by that, itself. You didn't have to do didn't nothing. didn't have to do anything. God. <laughs> we were living the dream. Um <laughs> So, but was it two tapes? Do you remember? Or was it one tape? It was one. Okay, because yeah. it's. I, I noticed pulling the the my impact. I mean, I, have, I brought the CD in here today for you to see. Yeah. Um, I noticed that when I pulled it up in my iTunes, the whole the whole both discs only uh, the whole album both discs is an hour and thirty three minutes. So, with a little trimming, you mm-hmm. could put that on one ninety minute cassette. Yeah, no trouble. Right. Um, and so I'm sure you had a reprise or two lopped off. For the tape, that's Possibly. usually just what you do with that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but and there's a couple dialogue scenes on the on the disc, which you may not have had. Uh, yeah, I d- like you can hear little things, like you can hear the end of the trial. Captain Walker, after much consideration upon the grounds of justifiable homicide, this court finds you not guilty. Um, there's a lot of talking on this album. Yeah, a lot, which. Yeah. I have to say, when I was younger, I thought it was awesome. And now I'm just like, just play. I just want to hear the music. I don't want to hear the talking. <laughs> it's really weird. I, I, somewhere in my life, it flipped. And the, I just I just want, like, the, the dialogue bugs me in a really serious huh. way. I don't know what that is. Um, it just, it bugs me. 
I forgot that there's a whole dialogue sequence before the song Temp Tommy Can You Hear Me. Ke- Cousin Kevin, after Tommy's become the pinball yeah. star, and Cousin Kevin um, and the other toughs or whatever they are yeah. carry Tommy around. Oh, and they had that scene where they're like, Tommy's like, been to hospital. Oh, he's cured then, is he? Tommy's been to hospital. Oh, he's been cured then, has he? Oh, completely cured, yeah. He's a wonder of science. They're going to make him prime tough minister. It's like a, oh, it's like that, a cut scene like, from Hard Day's his, Night. His friends from before, like. Oh, that's the late. Yeah, that's later. That's okay. during the sensation reprise where they interview you. <laughs> me and. Okay, so I want to ask you a question. He's been very good to me. Very good. And awful when I'm glad I could be of some assistance. I believed in him from, from the beginning. beginning right, right from um, the very start. <laughs> I know what it was like. I was there. <laughs> This is a good point to ask about British accents. Um, so this show is written by an Englishman, yep, uh, by Pete Townsend and yeah. other members of the Who, uh, and but all of the actors, I think, without looking it up, are American. At least all the principals, sure, are American. And it's only now knowing what Michael Cerveris's voice sounds like, mm-hmm. his 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 actual speaking voice, yes. That this his British accent bugs me, and then as a cascade effect, listening to this, everyone's British accent bothers me, and I don't. It didn't used to. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm being kind of overly critical of it or not. I think because, like, as I was listening to it uh, recently, mm-hmm. um, what I started to notice about it is like they get like the the nuances. Of the British accent, like the way, like they sort of shape words here and there, mm-hmm. but I don't think, like, no two characters who have lines sound like they're from remotely the same area. That that is the you problem. Know? That you've you've just nailed it. Yes, yeah. you're absolutely right. They don't, their accents don't match in yeah. a way that is a little distracting. In the same way, and this is not an angle like an anglophile kind of thing for me because I also have a recording of Stephen Sondheim's Saturday Night which was his very first musical that never got produced it was originally when it got first got produced it was produced in 2000 in London and there's a lot of British actors playing people from Brooklyn that is equally offensive to my ears alive and alone on a Saturday night he's dead hey Dino cut it out will ya Dino that's enough Dino shut up get off Dino, that's enough already. It sounds affected, I guess is the word. Yeah. I'm and it might be because, as I say this, like it's... Green Day. Little I mean, bit. They always yeah. sound British. Little British. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but that's punk. Like that, yeah. and, and that's, you know, and it's, it's still kind of weird. Don't get me wrong. Sure. Or Adele, who sings, like, if you've heard her sing and you've heard her speak, they're two entirely different uh, continents. I, I could, oh, I could listen to her oh, yeah. speak. Oh yeah, all that speak and sing. Her like, just... her acceptance speech at the Oscars is one of my favorites. Like, oh my god, no, it's just yeah. it's so great. It's like, like that's that's Adele. <laughs> did you see her in the car with uh, James? Oh, with Corden? No, I haven't seen it. Is it good? Oh, you have to watch that. Oh, okay. Like it may it, like you watch that. Uh, of course, if you like her already, you like her already. Right. But, like if you watch that and you don't really know, like you want to be her friend. Oh man, like that's you so want to be friends with her. Oh, that's so oh, great. I love. Yeah. Oh, that's so wonderful. Like I her and Rebel that. between her and Rebel Wilson, like I would. Like maybe uh, what's his name Matt Lucas from uh, Little Britain. 
Yeah. Oh, like, you just want to be their friends. Oh, like, that'd be... But yeah, the, it, maybe... It, and maybe it's just because in those dialogue scenes... Like, you don't notice it so much when they're singing. Mm-hmm. But in those dialogue scenes, like that one you just we just did, yeah. that Cousin Kevin says... Like, I, I sort of feel like somebody went, do British. And, like, half the people, like, did RP... Right. And the other half did Cockney. Yeah. You know? Hard Cockney. Yeah. And it's never really explicitly stated, I don't think, where in England they are. I am assuming they're in London, but it's never Yeah. It's never I, explicitly stated if they're northerners or or middle you know, middle counties or anything. I've always thought it was like a northern city. It it has a kind of but, working class yeah, yeah. edge to it. Right. But but there's no, but there's, there's no, nothing but that's to purely indicate. just, yeah. Yeah, you know, like, fa- I mean, yes, factory town, Manchester type vibe. Right. right. Absolutely. I'm going to quickly look up where Pete Townsend's from. Okay. Um, so I think he's from Manchester. That I thought he was from London. So, huh. but th- based on nothing, yeah. I, I thought he was from London. He was born in London, Cheswick. Oh. Okay. Um, that doesn't mean the show's set there, but right, that, right. that's where he's that's where he's from. And it's also the dialogue is not the best. This is the other right, problem. Right, right, right. It is a very and the it's it's the problem of this kind of musical where we're retrofitting a script mm-hmm. to a very loosely constructed story. Because the story in the concept album is very loose. Yeah. Tenuous connections yes, to the songs yes, at best. Yes, yes. And you know, ideas came because, like, as I understand it, the song Pinball Wizard was written because they were they were playing an audition for, like, a backer or something, and the guy really liked, or a rock critic, and the guy really liked pinball. So you see how elements like that made it into the story. Yeah. That they have no, there's no allegory there. Pinball's not an yeah. allegory for anything. It's just, it's kind of, and it's a great song. Don't, yeah, yeah. no, no, no objections to that. It's fun. Yeah. But it is, the rock album can afford to be kind of loosely held together. Yeah. When you're telling a story on stage, you've got to string along, which is why they reordered a bunch of the songs. I mean, the songs yeah. have got Change around and that makes less sense. But the dialogue it could explain the the twelve day break. Yeah, it could. Yeah. I mean, it really could. But it did run for a chunk of time in La Jolla, and then yeah. I mean, I really yeah, hope if, if you were still fixing the book twelve days before your Broadway opening, you're in a lot of trouble. And like, the book's not that bad. It's just yeah. not the strong suit of the show, right? At all. But like, I've been involved in plays, you know, like new plays where you you're doing your like you're about to do your final preview, and we've come back to like like a stack of changes, you know, like upwards of 200 line changes. Oh, wow. You have to put into the show the next afternoon and then do it. Oh, night. wow. So maybe that's like, why. I mean, maybe yeah. you're right. Maybe it was the kind of, the kind of situation yeah. where it was in. Because those dialogue scenes, the dialogue's not well written. And they're, and there's a lot of like the, the thing that happens right after that Cousin Kevin scene where Tommy's mm-hmm. being interviewed. Um, so, yeah, it's just a maybe that's what it is. It's the fact that these scenes are are just... Not the high point of the yeah. show for me. Um. <laughs> and that's, th- like, coming at it from, like, I had no idea mm-hmm. what happened in those. Like, you'd hear the dialogue and you're like, oh, I guess he's being interviewed. Right. I guess they're interviewing Kevin that's now. That's true. You know? They don't. They Ernie's enough. selling, right. you know, paraphernalia. Selling, at, that's true. There's yeah. a whole scene of him selling that photograph <laughs> to that reporter. <laughs> Which you doesn't know, right? go anywhere. I know, right? <laughs> Either in the recording or in the show. I mean, I'll just have to. What yeah. about the Guardian? All the right, times. All the times. <laughs> How about for a bottle of scotch? Yeah, he just sort of. <laughs> now, I mean, we're crapping all over this here at the moment. The show was yeah. nominated for eleven Tonys, yeah. uh, including Best Book. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't win that. Uh, it won. <laughs> oh, go figure. <laughs> yeah, it won Best Direction, Best Choreography, Best Scenic Design, Best Lighting Design, and Best Score. And I want to come back to that in a second. Okay. It was also nominated for Best Musical, Best Book, two nominations for Best Featured Actor for Michael Severus as Tommy and Paul Candle mm-hmm. as Uncle Ernie, 
Best Featured Actress, Marsha Mitzman as Tommy's mom, and Best Costume Design. With the exception of Marsha Mitzman, mm-hmm. who lost to Andrea Martin in the musical version of My Favorite Year, which I didn't know existed, and I'm now excited to go find. I know, right? Oh, Doesn't that sound cool? I I love My I Favorite Year. I thought for year. a long time, like, I had that thought recently, because it was on, like, AMC. Yeah, it was on it's something. been coming back. That's a great movie. And I was like, oh, My Favorite Year, I love this movie. Oh, it's a great movie. There's so many, like, <laughs> I will hold the rope taut, yeah. <laughs> and you will just <laughs> shimmy down. <laughs> Is that Mark Lynn Baker? It is. Oh, it's it's Cousin Larry from He's Perfect Strangers. He's so great. He's yeah. Yale Drama School graduate, Mark Lynn oh, Baker. Not many wow. people know. But anyway, except for that, except for Marsha Mitzman, they lost everything else that year to the other mega Broadway hit, Kandra Neb's Kiss of the Spider-Woman, oh. which had a book by Terrence McNally, who is a... Well, there you go. Yeah, so yeah. that's the thing. Um, wow. Yeah, Kiss of the Spider-Woman was a powerhouse of a production that a lot yeah. of people know. Um and I think the, it was like '94 when I took like my first trip to New York, mm-hmm. and I remember seeing signs for that everywhere. Well, that had Kiss of the Spider Woman had a funny little life because it was the original cast was Cheetah Rivera as Aurora, Brent Carver as Molina, and uh, Anthony Cravello as Valentine, all of whom won Tonys for okay. that show. Yeah, um, it also won Best Book of a Musical. It was directed by Hal Prince. He didn't win, um, mm-hmm. though he's got enough Tonys. Um, can you ever have too many? Well, he's got like 30, so he can okay, well, that's a, that's probably a settle down, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It won Best Musical. However, the one I, reason I want to circle back to Best Score mm-hmm. is because it tied Kiss of the Spider Woman for Best Score. Tommy did. Oh. All three of them, Kander, Ebb, and Townsend, all got Tonys. In, now, you say it would have been everywhere in 94 because what happened with Kiss of the Spider Woman was after Cheetah Rivera left, they had a cast changeover where they replaced... Uh, Vanessa Williams took over as Aurora, um, and uh, Brian Stokes Mitchell took over as Valentine, and Howard um, McGillan took over as Molina, and that was so successful um, that they released another cast album. Oh, those that trio was such a huge ticket seller yeah. that they put out another cast album for the show. So there were actually two cast albums for the original Broadway cast of The Kiss of the Spider-Woman. Oh. Um, so when you went to New York, it would have been in this big second swing. Sure. So that makes sense yeah. that The Kiss of the Spider-Woman would have been yeah. everywhere. Still. And Tommy would still have been running yeah, at that yeah, point, yeah. too. Yeah. So you've never seen the show. I, I j- Other than the high school other production. Other than the high school production. Yeah. So what? So what's your what's your favorite... What, what are your favorite aspects of the show from a music... Like, what's your favorite song? If you had to pick one. I like Cousin Kevin's song. Mm-hmm. Just because I like that was the one I had the most fun singing. When I thought about the show at that age, mm-hmm. where I was like 19, 20, I thought I could play that character. It's the part I wanted to play never too. Come up. I will tell you, and you can open the book to look at it if you want. That uh, I, I that was my my uh, one of the reasons uh, I got that haircut that cousin Kevin has, which is the uh, parted down the middle. That that right there. Oh that, yeah, that oh. haircut. 
I just thought was the coolest thing in the world. Even at my favorite table, he can be my best. Kids don't need him in, and he just does the rest. He got crazy flipper fingers, never seen him fall. That deaf, dumb, and blind kid. Sure plays a mean pinball. What bring us up is the song, I Believe My Own Eyes. I'd like to prove that I don't think that you've seen the best of me. I've stood up for the boy, and I've clung to the hopes and the lies. I wish that the pain in your gaze could again be a test of me. But when I look in the mirror, I believe my own eyes. I believe my own eyes. No, I've come to the end. All my patience is gone When I'm doubtful I tend To believe my own eyes That song drives me absolutely crazy Interesting Because it doesn't it's the, It doesn't feel like the rest of the music yeah. To me And I didn't I just wanted to know if you had No, I mean it's, what, it's If so... you've never noticed that It comes towards the top of Act 2 It's right before Smash the Mirror Which is just an amazing Yeah Theatrical moment And it's sort of Captain Walker and Mrs. Walker Like Coming, having a... they're having. Well, they're they're trying to have a moment, yeah, and he yeah. like they resolve at the end to like believe their own eyes, whatever that means. Yeah, and then like Tommy goes back to the mirror, and Captain Walker like storms off out of anger, if I remember mm-hmm. from seeing it. And then she flips out on him and, and smashes, smashes the mirror, the mirror yeah, which yeah, yeah. cures you know, him, cures him because that happens, right? Um, yeah, I've been listening to it now and like really thinking about it and chatting with you. Mm-hmm. It it seems unnecessary and forced. Yeah. Um, they don't now. I get the ins, uh, the impulse because they don't have a song other than right. that. They yeah. do not have a moment together in this show. Other than right after the killing. Other than right after the killing, yeah, which is not a good moment. And Christmas, yeah. they kind of turn that song into a duet, but they're not oh, talking yeah. to each other. They're kind of all talking about Tommy. Right. They don't have a like, and you need you do need a character moment for the couple to yeah. kind of resolve, like to have a moment. I sure. I get that, but. I will also confess that I didn't dislike the song as much until I got that book that you've been looking at there. Because <laughs> in that book, you might notice there is a CD. Oh. And on that CD is this handy dandy little recording. I'd like to prove that I don't feel that you've seen the best of me. I've stood up for the boy and I've clung to the hopes and the test of me But when I look in the mirror I believe my own eyes I believe my own eyes No, I've come to the end All my patience is gone When I'm doubtful I turn to believe my own I'd like to declare So this comes with this freeze that's the only track on that CD Uh-huh is is Pete Townsend singing I Believe My Own Eyes. Yeah. I found out later what it is is his demo for I Believe My oh. Own Eyes. It was not released as anything other than it's the CD that comes with that book. That is all that's it. it is. Yeah. So that's the only way to get that CD is to get that's that book. Weird. Um, 
And that was when I went, oh, I don't think this is a good song. Because that recording sounds like a Sting song to me a little bit. It's got And the guitar's got kind of a mariachi yeah, kick yeah, there's like to a, it. Yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. he's doing a pretty good job. I said to you while I was playing it, wait for the high note. But he hits, he gets yeah, there. he does. He gets to that note. I mean, he does have like a higher... I mean, and that's he when he did all li- those like sort of easy listening versions right. of the Right, yeah. Songs. He has a very light... The his top yeah. of his range, kind of things, kind of float away. But yeah, he yeah. he certainly knows how to control his voice. Yeah. But then I think it's part of the problem of not when I hear Marsha Mitzman and uh, and Jonathan uh, uh, Dukitz perform it, mm-hmm. I can't not hear Pete Townsend's yeah. demo and that kind of. Well, now it, now it's in my head. Now it's in your head. So I've ruined another. <laughs> yes. No, I'm here to ruin. I was lives. innocent until I came right. in here. So I get it. It's one of the funny moments. Though. It's funny, though, that like I'm sitting here defending the song on the level of theatrical writing yeah. after we've like crapped all over the theatrical <laughs> writing of this show. <laughs> and its only defense is that it needs like there needs to be a scene yeah. where this happens. I was having this conversation with Evan Casey when we were talking about Les Mis. He hates the song A Heart Full of Love and In My Life. And I was like, but if you don't have that song then Marius and Cosette don't have a scene. And if they don't have a scene, there's no, like, then when he leaves at the end of One Day More, there's nothing to it. So you need this scene for them to kind of bond. And also then to give her a little bit of what it does, as I'm explaining this, this is occurring to me, um, gives her motivation to get mad at Tommy when they kind of come back together and then Tommy goes back to the mirror and Captain Walker storms off. Marsha Mm -hmm. Mitzman gets, or Mrs. Walker, I should say, gets the the motivation to flip on him to quite the level she does. So I get it, yeah. but it's just, I mean, this song was clearly written 30 years after the original, 25 years after the original, yeah. and it feels it feels like late 80s Pete Townsend. I mean, that's what it feels like. Yep. He was writing in that style, and yep. he didn't, you know, that's sort of the difference, I think, probably between somebody who writes like Pete Townsend writes and someone yeah. who's a more like, trained composer would be like, oh, well, I wrote everything in... Like it was all G minor chord D mm-hmm. this then so this yeah. song should be like that like he just wrote a song right because however he writes a song whatever right. his motivation yeah, yeah. is yeah was this was this a show that that tickled you to the point of of you wanting to do it wanting to be in it or was it more just are you not that kind of kind of actor did it kind of because um, it got if it got to you kind of in high school by the point you were driving mm-hmm. were you kind of post fantasy like broadway fantasies or were you like you know imagining yourself wherever doing tommy or was it you know so you were just listening to enjoy or were you still a lot more like stars in your eyes kind of um, kind of a kid it was a little bit of a little bit of both cuz like end of high school just starting to get into college I was just starting to get into theater mm-hmm. and that's pretty late you it, came to it, it that, is late. that late yeah. what, what what was the what was the impetus for starting i i was going to uh college for elementary education and i hated it Ooh! and why did you study elementary education it just i had i taught like i taught kids swimming lessons growing up and it and it seemed like a good idea Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. going out of college or going out of like so many things do when you're yeah yeah yeah, you Mm -hmm. know and uh i had a cousin who was going to start taking some theater classes at the same college and and I was like I'd like to try that and you know we both got really into it he got more into the tech side and mm-hmm. he continues to do that today but uh, I got more and more into acting there is a strong connection between performance and teaching 
Yeah. I think great teachers are great performers and and there's a lot of great actors we both know who yeah. are very good teachers because so oh, if yeah. you're good at acting you're usually good at listening and if you're good at listening mm-hmm. you can be very good at teaching is sort of my in all in forms and it's yeah. you know. Yeah. No, I obviously know some actors and performers who are terrible terrible teachers because uh, <laughs> you have to kind of want to do it on one right. level uh, otherwise right. it's it's going to be a mess. So that doesn't that doesn't sound as crazy to me as as it's not as huge. It is much more of a lateral move than than you one might expect right. from education to theater. Yeah, and I know plenty of people who've gone the other way, who've gone from yeah. theater to, to secondary education. Sure, sure. So what what? So you just took this theater class, which was what just intro to theater or In, intro to theater, and then I took uh, a tech class, which was just building mm-hmm. sets and stuff like that, and then started getting in. There was like a very small acting program, and they did like one two shows a semester. Oh, okay, one or two a semester. Wow, that is very small. Uh, yeah, and then uh, uh, I just started getting more and more into it that way. And this was like, like finding this in Les Mis at the time, you know, it was like just sort of investigating the world I was like walking into. Mm-hmm. But like Les Mis was artsy and more classical in a way that I wasn't quite ready for yet. It's theater seemed, with an RE. Yeah, it seemed more a little more... I guess elite. Oh yeah, highfalutin. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I don't want to say it that way because, like, you know, now that I understand it, or you know, and I've seen right. Uh, but if you're coming in as a great uninitiated, yeah, it can be intimidating. Yeah, to and if you're just like this, like, kind of semi shy, like introverted, extrovert, punk music liking this, like, just the score of it, like, you know, with the guitar and you know, the just the way. It, I don't, it just felt more accessible to me. Okay. You know? So this was your show. I mean, it was much more that kind of thing where you're like, yeah. I like this, and the people who do this like like this. So yeah. this is sort of my, it's like a bridge. Yeah. It brings you into the, yeah. to the world a yeah, little bit more. Yeah, I think so. Okay. And, you know, I always had a fascination with British, yes. you know, things. Yeah. This is one of those weird shows where I think that if it had been written as a show, it never would have... Yeah. It never would have worked. But because it's an album and everybody loved the and the music's great. Yeah. And then everybody loves it. It just works on that like on that level. Mm-hmm. It works just purely on the level of, yeah. of like pres- of like self propulsion. Right. But did you have any of that reading the plot synopsis and listening to the the tape? Or were you just like, No, this is great? No, because I, I was still so new to it mm-hmm. at that point that like as far as a discerning eye was concerned. I didn't have one. Sure. Really. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'd be like, yeah, that, that, you know, I go see that. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's, and it's a funny musical, as we say, sort of critically, it doesn't hang together. But like I had a friend I did theater with in high school who was a very good actor who mm-hmm. did not, he's come up a couple times actually on this podcast. Name's Dave Kelly. He's out in LA now. Okay. As a writer and director. And he did, um, he was always in the shows. He was always the lead in the shows and did a lot of theater in town. I remember often he was in two shows at once, which I thought was the coolest thing when I was in high school. Now I'm like, that would have been exhausting. Um, <laughs> That's terrible. If I have a week of overlap, I'm like, kill me. And he's like 17 at this point. Oh, he was, well, I remember man. he was doing, we were doing My Fair Lady, senior, uh, fresh, my freshman year, his senior year of high school, and he was doing Romeo. He was Henry Higgins in My Fair Lady, and he was Romeo and Romeo and Juliet at the, drama, the Wilmington Drama League across town. It was just like... It was, I mean, I was, he was my hero. And I remember being at rehearsal and asking like a couple friends, like, does anybody know Tommy? Is yeah. it any good? And somebody being like, Dave loves Tommy. And I was like, Dave? He <laughs> was like, oh yeah, Tommy's amazing. It's like, I saw it in New York. He went up to New York to yeah. see it. He went backstage in that kind of bravado way. Like he just got up and walked 
on the stage that, and that whole, backstage. Like, just, just act like you know what you're doing. Yeah, and, and it then, worked. And he 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 loved Paul Candell, played Uncle Ernie, and he went on and on about what a great actor he was, and what a great show it was, wow. and all this. Yeah, so I bought it on that, like yeah, that. Yeah. I was like, well, if he likes it, like it's sure. got to be amazing. Yeah. And so it, it it you know we sit here, but he was a very serious theater guy who would have yeah. totally picked up on that the, the, with, the problems. And of... so there is something, there's something about the show yeah. that is inexplicable because right. it should not work right from a like sort of academic standpoint as i stand here like it should not work and yet it absolutely does yeah yeah and i don't know what it is i don't either okay but i mean you know i think there's a lot well of good art. talk there's Thank a lot of art like that if you look at things like is it does it make psychological sense is it like math or like mathematical beats all correct or like you know mm-hmm. when you're looking at certain pieces or like is the symmetry that you, you know some things don't match up but it still affects you in some Strange way. It gets right. Not I always, mean, there are some good emotional yeah. moments in this that I got from the original album that sure. translate. You can't believe they translate to 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 Tommy. And one of the reasons I said that I don't think The Wall should ever be a stage show yeah. is because The Wall is like Im- aggressively emotional, allegorical, uh, you know, pretentious, yeah. still wonderful, but... Like you put that on stage and I'm just going to throw up. Like it's going to be so boring. It's just, you know, I can't see a way that you stage the wall yeah. that, first of all, makes any sense. Right. Because it has even less of a plot than Tommy does. Yeah. And if you can have a film of the wall, which has like all that spectacle and all that abstractness, you can get away with it. But like on stage, that's yeah. just, it's just going to be a concert. Like, or right. it's not going to be anything. Exactly. Whereas Tommy Didn't... sort of lives in between those two things. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I mean, because the short version is buy it. Like, I yeah. think this is an essential album. Sure. I, I would go ahead and say that. And it's a great, a, a dialogue snippets aside, mm-hmm. it is a well-produced album and is produced by George Martin, who was the Beatles yeah. producer and just one of the greatest record producers of all time. This is the only cast album he ever produced. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, he then. did, pre-Beatles, he did a lot of comedy records with the Goons and Peter Sellers and things, which mm-hmm. kind of sometimes get called cast albums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they were a stage show. Sure. But they're comedy records. Yeah. They're not They're not the same thing. Um yeah, he never did one before, and he never huh. did one since. It was a Townsend's request. That... But this was, I really, I have to say, like, I was expecting this to be a conversation about, like, just what you liked about the album and then, like, my problems with it as a concept. And we certainly got sure. that. But it's more interesting to me that where this, why a show that, an album that was a hit in in 1969 mm-hmm. and then a film in 1973 became a stage show in the 90s because what Mm -hmm. I said at the beginning I think is true each of those inceptions are very of their time that is a mid-70s movie this is a 90s show Mm -hmm. and 60s music was big in the 90s yep and 60s and 70s music was really big in the 90s and So it was very ready to come back. But with, like, the bright colors, the very primary colored costumes, the sort of yeah. over, I would say over-designed, but purposefully over-designed. Like, it wasn't yeah, yeah. randomly over-designed. Right, right, And right. if you no, look you at productions, I'll put up pictures on, online of, like, the set. Like, there were big projections of Tommy's face and yeah. words and things like all of it. It was a visual experience. Yeah. There's really no other word for it. And so it is interesting that there is this piece of art that, has been transformed each time, but not significantly. Yeah. Still retaining the same quote unquote story beats. Yeah. That is still great. But uh, like, I think one of the things I, I really just in thinking about like that progression of act two is that 
you see him at the end, like, admitting, you know, like, they want to be more like him. He wants to be more like them. And it, at least for me, that sort of spoke to where I was in the world that I was trying to move into with theater and trying to get more into oh. doing plays. And, I mean, I'm still, I would love to be in a musical, but I can't sing very well. You can't? Oh, Not that really surprises well. me. I mean, you have a very yeah. sonorous voice. I'm oh, surprised well. you. Thank you. You're welcome. All you ladies out there right. in podcast land. <laughs> I mean, I can make noise and I can do little things, but uh, it's just not something I have huh. confidence in myself. Oh, okay. So, so you can carry a tune. I did, yeah, but... in a bucket probably. Right. But, uh but yeah, yeah, it's but just sing, which is not the same as singing in front of a group of people on a stage. I mean, it's exactly, not, not the same exactly. Skillset but at like all. you yeah. know, when you you know those those belts, oh things, yeah, those Broadway belts that you hear, and like you know, you, you get a couple of them in here, and you're like, oh my goodness, that's amazing. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's a remarkable show. I think that's where I'm gonna. Yeah, I was really not. That's not how I felt about it when we sat down, but that's how I feel about it now. It is a. I liked it. I was I was ready to say it was one of those like when I was a child I enjoyed it, yeah. but I put but you down want to add, such like, childish It was remarkable things. of its time. When I was thirteen, <laughs> I was going to say that I really was, and I don't. Yeah. I it's you know one of, I've said before one of the missions of this podcast is I want to kind of end snobbery about sure. these sorts of things. Yeah, but yeah. I got to say, Eric, you, you've swung me in a serious way. <laughs> you really have. Like I was really prepared to be like, as I said, like well, it was good enough when I was thirteen, but now I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I, okay. I'm well, back in. I'm feeling good. All right. I don't I'm, think you, I'm glad. Uh, what do you got? Um, what you got coming up in town? Where can people, if they're in the DMV, where can they come see you? Uh, I am gonna be stepping into uh, Dial M for Murder out at Olney for the final like two, if, like the extension. Oh, okay. Yeah. When is that? Uh, that's it's in May. Sure. Sometime, okay. Like mid-May, I believe. Check local listings. Yeah. And then the, <laughs> the end of May, I'm getting married. So. Oh, uh, that's, that's true. That's my next that's big your next thing, big thing, really right? big production. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you routinely. Uh, we didn't talk about this at all, but you routinely record audio plays and. Uh, do you record audiobooks? Or I do you... record audiobooks, okay. but I also um, I prep. Uh, the books for recording. And you do that for a company. I do for a, a company uh, in Bethesda, Bethesda, Maryland, uh, called Graphic Audio. Um, You're the green on the internet. I'm, I'm a lot of people. Yeah. like we worked with Marvel or DC at first when I first started, and I was green, Kyle Rayner, Green mm-hmm. Lantern. And then DC kind of went away, and Marvel eventually found us. And now I'm uh, Thor in uh, The Ultimate. Avengers series that we have, and I'm also Rocket Raccoon. Hey! I mean, the bragging rights alone. Right. Just absolutely. (laughs) And people can follow you on social media at... Uh, Messnerpotamia. Messnerpotamia. Go ahead and spell that, because I'm just going to... M-E-S-S-N-E-R-P-A-T-A-M-I-A. There you go. (laughs) <laughs> I had to think about that. Like I was like, oh. you did. I was like, we can do. I can look it up and we can do take two. I was going to do like thinking. spell my last name and then right. just say Potamia. Potamia. That would have been a great joke. <laughs> that would you, you you blew it. I did. The original cast was recorded at the Media Production Center at American University. Special thanks to Jeffrey Madison, Tom Fish, Imani Mular, and the tireless staff of students who man the front desk. Follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at OriginalCastPod. You can follow me, Patrick Flynn, on Twitter at UnknownPenguin. If you live in the D.C. area, my 10-minute play, The Ferberizing of Coral, is part of the 2016 D.C. Source Festival as part of their Secrets and Sound block. 
For tickets and performance information, visit sourcefestival.org. You can email us at originalcastpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your questions, comments, concerns, and or public admissions of guilt. Subscribe to the original cast on iTunes, and while you're there, please give us a comment and a rating so other people can find the show. My thanks to Eric Messner for coming down and talking to me today. It was my pleasure. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. Rehearsal.